Not only have the New Orleans Saints had a busy first week of free agency, they've had a successful one as well. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into a Monday episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always. Make it Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss the latest episodes. I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media, CrescentCitySports.com, USA Today Saints Wire, Tuesdays on Locked On NFL. And here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. Today's episode brought to you by our friends over at Ultimate Football GM. If you ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM or managing your own football franchise, then this is the app for you. Download the game and visit ultimate-gm.com or just look it up in your app stores. And listeners are going to get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in all caps in the game store. I'll tell you more about that later, but on today's episode of Locked On Saints, we're going to go through a post-free agency week one mock draft. So after the Saints have made their additions over the course of the first week of free agency, how does that impact our mock drafts moving forward. Foster Moreau took a visit to the New Orleans Saints. Will he be the next addition for the team? But first, New Orleans Saints should be earning high marks for what they've done in the first week of free agency. If you look at what the New Orleans Saints have done here over the course of this past week, they have identified and addressed where it is that they wanted to improve from 2022 into 2023. Let's start with the two defensive interior or interior defensive linemen. I always mix it up interior defensive lineman that they picked up, Colin Saunders, as well as Nathan Shepard. Colin Saunders, of course, two-time Super Bowl champion through his first four years in the league with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Nathan Shepard with the New York Jets, not champions. And so what you'll see when you bring both of those guys in is that both of them kind of hit the same marks in 2022 as David Onyemata and Shai Tuttle when it came to the run game. That's not excellent for New Orleans who wants to improve in the run game. But where they make a massive improvement is a 30, like a 30 spot leap for Colin Saunders in terms of pass rush win rate versus uh, Shy Tuttle in that same category. That's how often you win your reps as a pass rusher up against an opposing blocker. And then you see a 16 spot jump into the top 10 for Nathan Shepard in terms of his improvement in that same metric pass rush win rate over David Onyemata. So what you're seeing is that the New Orleans Saints have addressed that not only do they want to get better in the run game, which they can do schematically, they have the ability to be able to do that if they bring in similar talent in that area of the game than what they have been successful with over the past few seasons, which they did bringing these two guys in. But then you also see them becoming more of an attacking interior pass rush. And that's big for New Orleans, because if you want to impact an opposing quarterback in the most significant way possible, you do it up the middle, right? You do it in the interior. That's the way that you take care of that. So getting these two guys who could potentially add a lot of production for you when it comes to the pass rush, that's huge for New Orleans. So you can see where they identified, where they wanted to improve, and the changes that they make reflecting that because 
they go out and they get the guys that can bring that. You can see something similar when it comes to the addition of Jamal Williams. There's a lot of people who have started to say things like, well, Jamal Williams had 17 touchdowns last year, but 14 of them were within four yards. Okay, go out there and run a four-yard touchdown for me in the NFL. Let me know just how easy that is. But also, let's not diminish who Jamal Williams has been over the course of his entire career because of the way that the Detroit Lions specifically used him last year. He was somebody that averaged nearly 40 catches per game. Also, just a few seasons ago, or not 40 catches per game, 40 catches per season with the Green Bay Packers. Just a few years ago, he had 30, 39 catches and five receiving touchdowns, over 200 receiving yards as well. He was the change of pace back when it came to the combination of he and Aaron Jones in Green Bay. Now, obviously, he's a little bit older, a couple of years older now, but I don't think that that's anything that's going to impact him so far, right? You look at the harder job that he was asked to do, you know, running in the middle, running between the tackles, picking up tough yards, all that. And he lasted throughout all that. Hopefully he can stay healthy here in New Orleans. The Saints have had some issues with health and injuries over the course of the past few seasons for sure. But to, you know, diminish him, Jamal Williams, as somebody that can only be effective in short distance situations is a little bit short-sighted, I have to admit. It's not, re- it's not really reflective of who he's been throughout his entire career. Just because that's the way the Detroit Lions decided to use him doesn't mean that that's simply who he is. Now, let's look at a couple of different things here, right? So you look at, let's say, goal-to-go situations for the New Orleans Saints. They had the second least in the NFL last year. So we talked about how badly, how poor they were last year at finishing drives. So therefore, they also tied for the fourth fewest, fourth lowest amount when it came to goal-to-go touchdowns. So this is a team that struggled to be able to cap things off towards the end of drives. It's also a team that struggled quite a bit to all, to be able to extend drives, right? So when you look at extending drives, which is the next piece that Jamal Williams helps to bring you, New Orleans was uh, faced with the fifth most third and one through three situations. So third and short situations, but they converted at only the 15th best rate. So right in the middle of the pack when it came to the, uh, when it came to the rest of the NFL. So you look at where a guy like, um, a guy like Jamal Williams helps you, who was top 10 and rushes for first downs in 2022, leave alone just um, leave alone just, you know, the the short yarded situations when it comes to the goal line or, or or potentially getting a pay dirt. He was also really, really good for them in third and short situations, just in terms of needing to convert downs. You think about now the combination between him, uh, Alvin Kamara, when he's available and 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 uh, they're uh, you know, able to be there for the team. We'll see how that looming suspension ends up happening. You have, you know, Taysom Hill, if you have a healthy Michael Thomas, and then of course, a Chris Olave who was targeted, I think it was 22 times, 24 times on third downs and picked up like 22 uh, or 20 uh, first downs. So the majority of those he ended up converting for first downs. So you have all of these kind of clutch players that can pick up a third and short for you. And then now you add Jamal Williams to that mix who as he told us in his introductory presser, he loves the idea that people think that he's just going to be one way or another so that he can then surprise them. So if he goes in and then the defense is looking and saying, oh, Jamal Williams is back there, but also Alvin Kamara is back there and also Taysom Hill's under center and also Michael Thomas is over there and also Chris Olave is over there and also Jawan Johnson's right here. It becomes a little bit tougher to key in and just simply say, oh, well, Jamal Williams is only you know, going to be, he's only going to be able to be beneficial in those areas. He's even beneficial as somebody just simply being on the field and taking the attention, right? And then you turn around and you hand it to him anyway, and sure, he can go and get you those tough yards as well. So 
interesting stuff. I will also say just to, to provide some clarification, there was a, a story that kind of you know started to bubble up about something that he said to us during his press conference. And one of the things that he mentioned was that he uh, feels that the he felt disrespected by the Detroit Lions offer. And I can tell you just from sources that I've spoken to that it's not about how much money he was given. The money was not dissimilar from what David Montgomery signed for. It was sort of the 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 tone of the negotiations and the limited amount of back and forth, things like that, right? That should happen in negotiations that weren't really present for these guys. So now he comes to New Orleans where he feels like he is massively wanted and knows that he can pretty quickly contribute. So if I'm looking at the New Orleans Saints and giving a grade on what they've done so far, I'd, I'd say about a B, right? It's a great grade. It's high mark, but they've got a lot of stuff still to do, addressing their defensive interior, uh, addressing you know depth at linebacker and safety, and still adding another pass catching threat. But they might be closer than we think when it comes to exactly that. Foster Moreau, former Las Vegas Raiders uh, uh, tight end, here in New Orleans, came here for a visit. Could he be the next addition for the New Orleans Saints? And if so, how does he impact them? We'll take a look at that and break it all down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Put a Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at Ultimate Football G. You've heard me talk about this game a ton. It is the mobile app that I absolutely love that you can use anywhere and everywhere that allows you to be able to manage your own football franchise. Everything from hiring coaches and coordinators to building out game plans, making sure that you're drafting and signing players that fit your scheme, hiring coaches and coordinators to help build your scheme, upgrading facilities, whole bunch of great stuff that you get to do. The NFL is going into its second phase of free agency. You could be going into your second phase of free agency as well and getting ready for the NFL draft right here, right in your pockets. Make sure you go and check it out today. Locked on listeners are going to get a 100% free boost uh, to your franchise by using the promo code locked on in all caps at the game store. That's promo code locked on in all caps. So make sure you check out the game today. To download it, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in your app store. So it's ultimate-gm.com or ultimate pro football GM in your app store. Start your dynasty today. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again, as always, making us your first listen of the day every day here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So could the New Orleans Saints be on the verge of adding another pass-catching but more threat in former Las Vegas Raiders, former LSU Tiger, former Jesuit High School tight end, uh, Foster Moreau. Now, I know Foster Moreau played more than just that while he was in high school. I get it. But Foster Moreau could be the Saints' next signing. So we'll see how this all pans out. Now, he went and visited the Cincinnati Bengals earlier on last week. Of course, had a little bit of overlap with Joe Burrow at LSU uh, before he graduated in 2018, came into the NFL in 2019 or, you know, graduated that season. Uh, and then now, you know, he goes there, he ends up leaving that visit, coming here back home to New Orleans, again, Jesuit High School, also played, uh, you know, up the road in college at LSU, and then now has an opportunity to potentially land with his former quarterback, Derek Carr, because he has spent the last four years with the Raiders and with Derek Carr. So now he's got an opportunity to potentially reunite with Derek Carr and come back home. Is that enough to get him to New Orleans? We'll see. But what would he bring to New Orleans if He's somebody that they do end up uh, end up signing. So there's a couple of different things to look at here. First of all, you know, you you just kind of wonder like what sort of the relationship of usage between he and Juwan Johnson. And I think that basically the way that you end up looking at it is that it kind of takes you back to that little bit of like Jared Cook, Josh Hill split 
that the Saints did a ton just a few years ago. It's where you have your perennial pass catcher in uh, Juwan Johnson, who can also block for you. I think Juwan Johnson's probably a little bit of a better blocker. We spoke to him at the Saints facility just a couple of days ago. He looks even bigger already. And so I think that obviously you get a lot from him in both areas of the game, but he becomes your sort of focus or, or the big focus for him ends up being what he can do for you as a pass catcher. Meanwhile, Foster Moreau comes in and he's somebody that gives you somebody that can catch passes for you. He's not a contested catch guy, only a, uh, what's his career? I know it was only a 36.4% last year. His career contested catch rate in the NFL is just 48.3%. So he doesn't really give you that just yet. We know the New Orleans Saints uh, want that, but he gives you something, you know, elsewhere. I think last year he had, uh, you know, as I'm looking at the numbers, uh, 33 receptions, 420 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you go back there's just a year before that, 373 yards, three touchdowns on 30 catches. So he's been somebody that's been able to be kind of in the mix. Remember, he's been behind Darren Waller as well over the course of these past few seasons. So he's somebody that comes in, he brings you uh, you know, the ability to make those catches. He brings you a solid blocker. He brings you an all-around effort guy, and he brings you somebody that's a familiar face for your starting quarterback in Derek Carr. And there's value in that, just in terms of having somebody in the system that is learning the same transition from one system to another that your starting quarterback is. There's real value in that. And of course, a guy like Foster Moreau, who not only gets to be somebody that's making that transition, but he gets to make that transition in a room with a former starting quarterback for the system in Taysom Hill, also in your room, assuming that the Saints keep uh, Taysom Hill designated as a tight end. We'll see how they um, manage that or, or approach that over the course of the offseason here. But if he's in that room, that helps you in terms of your translation to have kind of that, that Sherpa, if you will, that can help you, you know, climb that mountain. Same thing that Derek Carr ends up getting uh, as well. So when you look at what it is that, um, you know, that, that, Fosmero brings you, it, it's a little all around. So it is very much like what Josh Hill once did for you as well. Remember, the Saints would fearlessly run screens to Josh Hill. They would go deep to Josh Hill. They would, you know, run sort of these flares with him as well, these Y leaks, all of that near the goal line. Uh, and also, he was a, you know, spectacular blocker for you. And I think you get some similar um, uh, sort of, you know, attributes when it comes to. Uh, Foster Moreau as well. You look at him as as a run blocker. He grades kind of like average when it comes to that, depending upon whose grades that you're that you're looking for. But it's not like he played in a system that wasn't a run heavy system. The Raiders still ran the ball quite a bit. I mean, you have Josh Jacobs in the backfield, so it's not like coming to a system that wants to run is going to be a big shock for a guy like Foster Moreau. So I do think that the Saints would benefit from being able to add him. Will they be? Will he be their next addition? We'll see. Uh, but he came for the visit and then, you know, we'll see what kind of progress they make off of that. The next question is how much the New Orleans Saints actually have to spend here. And believe it or not, and I know this might surprise some people out there, but the Saints are top 10 when it comes to not only open cap space, but also effective cap space. So effective cap space is important because it takes in, into consideration the amount of money that teams would have to put forth for things like draft classes and stuff like that, like kind of functional spending, right? So for the Saints, who right now, according to Over the Cap, sit at ninth in the NFL in open effective cap space, sit with about $13.3 million, just a little shy of 13.27. And so the Saints have quite a bit of money here to continue to spend. They're not really in a situation to where they need to 
you know, be looking for bargain deals or anything like that. They could go out there and they can find those bargain deals. I don't think that Foster Moreau is going to cost you $12, $13 million a year by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, you add a Foster Moreau, you can still go after big defensive ends, right? If you wanted to go out that way, if you wanted to, if you felt like you can handle the baggage of a Frank Clark, for instance, in this organization, and you want to go out and and pursue him, you want to go after, you know, another top uh, receiver or another top safety or another, you know, some more linebacker depth. Like the Saints don't have a ton of starting spots open right now. And so they don't really have a place where they need to go and spend a ton of money. They did it already. They went and brought in you know, uh, Derek Carr. But if they wanted to go find another running back, they wanted to continue to add to their pass catching, all these other things, they absolutely have the space to be able to get that done. Now they can do that in free agency because of the money that they still have available, but they could also go out there and get that done in the draft. Will they do it that way? Let's break down how they could. For Mock Draft Monday today, let's add playmakers early for this New Orleans Saints team. We got that coming up for you as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints, brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook that's out there. And don't get me wrong, I know that the NFL season is over, but there's still so much to get in on. You've got the, uh, you've got March Madness, you've got uh, the NBA, there's even still some end of year awards things, some futures and things like that in the NFL that you can get ahead of. The Saints still the favorites right now to win the NFC South. They're still up there in terms of odds for the NFC Conference as a whole. So make sure you go and get in on those or other bets uh, as well with all of the NBA and uh, college basketball men's and women's tournament action that is ongoing. And if you're a new customer, it gets even better because you get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets that end up coming back to you if your first bet doesn't win. That means that there's no losing with your first bet over at FanDuel. So you want to check it out. Don't miss out on your chance for that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with our mock draft here for Mock Draft Monday. So now we're taking into account the additions that the Saints made over the course of the first week. They brought in their, those two defensive tackles that we discussed earlier, Saunders and Shepard. And then they also brought in Williams, uh, Jamal Williams, of course, the running back. They also added Storm Norton, uh, the right tackle. They brought back uh, Blake Gillikin. Uh, they let him walk on a restricted free agent deal, but then brought him back on a new deal. He'll change his number to five so that Derek Carr gets number four. So the Saints have addressed a bunch of things that they like needed to get done over the course of the first week. So now we're adjusting for that in our uh, in, in our mock draft. Now, this is a full seven round mock draft, so I'll fly through it pretty quickly. You probably won't break down every single player that I drafted here, just the big ones that you should know. Uh, and the focus here was adding playmakers. I, I kind of dropped a nugget on a show last week about how I spoke with the Saints coach and one in the, the coach that I spoke to told me that they feel like if they can add, it was just, you know, and, and this is one coach speaking for themselves. But one of the things that he said was that, you know, they felt that if, 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 if they added, if the team added two more playmakers in this year's draft, then they're in a really, really good place on the offensive side going into uh, the 2023 season. So I wanted to come into this draft and add two playmakers on the offensive side while also still addressing things, continue to build up the defensive line, continuing to build up uh, linebacker depth, all of that. So here's here's how we did it. So uh, if you're watching, I'm going to bring the mock draft up for those of you listening. Don't worry, we'll walk through all of it here. So in round one, I did something I've never done before in any of our mock drafts here on the show, which was also kind of a goal for me so we could talk about some other players. I went with wide receiver out of North Carolina, Josh Downs. 
the reason why I went with Josh Downs is that if you want a playmaker, you want somebody that can turn a five-yard catch into a 70-yard touchdown, you want somebody that can operate out of the slot for you, that can get it all done, Josh Downs is absolutely one of those guys. Now, Josh Downs does not check the box when it comes to the prototype of the New Orleans Saints wide receiver, as we have come to understand it over recent years, over six foot, over 200 pounds. Josh Downs is neither of those things, but neither was Chris Olave last year. He was six foot, but he came in at less than 100 pounds. You look at the other guy that had the massive impact for the New Orleans Saints last year in Rashid Shaheed, doesn't come in at under six foot, but comes in well below 200 pounds. So I'm looking at this as maybe the Saints are changing their, uh, changing their, you know, um, prototype at the position. You want to continue to build up, have more weapons, all of that in case you lose Michael Thomas after this year. So it's a little bit of a future pick because you don't want to just draft a third running back, a third wide receiver in the first round. That would be a waste of a first round pick. So I'm kind of doing some future projection here by drafting Josh Downs, but it also adds that playmaker. Then we roll around to round two, uh, pick 40, where I go with Iowa linebacker Jack Campbell. Gives you a future after Demario Davis type of a linebacker, really, really talented, above the shoulders football, um, uh, 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 versatile, plays a lot of different things, does a lot of the same things as, or does a lot of similar things as what the Saints really liked about Pete Werner, for instance. But now you have a Jack Campbell and Pete Werner future at linebacker post uh, Demario Davis. In round three, I went with another playmaker. This time I went to running back Zach Charbonnet, the running back out of UCLA. Could also go Tajay Spears here. There's also Dwayne McBride here, who the Saints have a top 30 visit scheduled with. By the way, he will be coming to New Orleans for a visit. Zach Charbonnet, though, does a lot of everything for you. Maybe doesn't give you the same pass catcher ability as uh, you know, a Jameer Gibbs or a uh, Tajay Spears, but can run between the tackles, get around the tackles, can do a whole bunch of different things, and can still be a pass catcher for you out of the backfield as well. Don't get it twisted. So that's another playmaker. So we've already kind of checked off our two playmakers over on the offensive side by adding Zach Charbonnet and adding Josh Downs. I then went, I addressed the defensive line, grabbed KJ Henry out of Clemson in the th- in the fourth round with uh, you know, uh, ad- that addresses adds another edge rusher there, really effective edge rusher. And then I went to the defensive interior at the top of round five, the first of the two picks there at 147 with Kobe Turner out of Wake Forest, who has high marks in both run stop win rate as well as pass rush win rate. So he gives you uh, a little bit of everything on the interior to continue to add and bolster uh, that defensive line. Then I went with another player that I've never drafted here on the show before. In fact, I did it for three straight players. Um, I went with tight end out of Clemson, Dennis, uh, excuse me, Dennis Allen, Davis Allen, my apologies, uh, Davis Allen. And I'll tell you, there's there's two main, two main reasons that I, that I picked uh, Davis Allen. Uh, the first of which is his size, six foot six, uh, 250-ish pounds, 249 pounds. Uh, but then the second of which is the contested catch rate. He has a he had a contested catch rate of 91.7% last year. And it wasn't because he didn't get a lot of them, right? He caught 11 out of 12 contested catch opportunities. And so that's really really solid in terms of what this guy can add for you. And he's done this pretty pretty uh convincingly throughout his entire career with a 72% contested catch rate having caught uh, 18 of 25 such throws throughout his career, particularly over the course of the last three seasons. So I think he gives you that big bodied pass catcher. He gives you ups as well, 38 and a half inch vertical explosion with a 10 foot five broad jump. So if you sign a Foster Moreau, you already have a Juwan Johnson, and then you bring in a Davis Allen, let him develop, give him some time, but he could potentially step in and be a red zone threat for you 
you know, here and there all throughout his rookie season as well. We know that rookie tight ends take, you know, tight ends take a lot before they actually get to the points where they're contributing for you in the NFL. But if you grab a guy and give him a specific role, then you're in a much better place than where you were if you were to draft him and just sort of say, okay, he can do a little bit of everything. So let's throw him out there and then see how it all works. So now all of a sudden you have a little bit of competition here between Adam Troutman and Davis Allen, and that competition could be really good for both of those players. Uh, Next up, I went with Arkansas wide receiver Matt Landers. So this is at the top of the seventh round. I don't know if Matt Landers is really going to make it here, but let's just face it. No one knows what's going to happen in the NFL draft. There's a lot of people out there right now who are saying things like that player won't be there at this pick. Nobody knows. Literally, no one knows. You have no idea. We'll find out in April. None of it matters. I was, you know, you're given the scenario, you work with the scenario. So Matt Landers, six foot four, 200 pounds, 37 inch vertical, 10 foot, 10 inch broad jump, very explosive, very athletic and four, three, seven speed. So he gives you size as well as giving you a ton of speed. So this is one of those guys that you draft based on traits, right? Look at what he's been able to do in terms of his testing you know, the things that you can't teach. And then you try to work on the things that you can teach. And then you start to turn him into, you know, hopefully a better receiver throughout his time, you know, to where he continues to make progress on and on and on. Uh, You look at his contested catch rate in 2022, just 40.9%. That's not really his game, but at his size, maybe he can develop into that. And maybe you kind of get that sort of tenacity out of him that you need in order to be able to get him to make Uh, more and more and more of those plays. So I really love the idea of being able to double up at wide receiver here. You get the short, the shorter, smaller, compact, but uber athletic, you know, quick, agile, elusive player in Josh Downs. And then later on, you get somebody that can develop into, you know, a big body, big hands guy for you with a ton of speed and a ton of athleticism as well in Matt Landers. And then I wrapped it up with Jordan Howden, the safety out of Minnesota, who would be, you know, one of those fantastic, um, Special teams adds really good in terms of his run stop win rate, really good in terms of his downhill play, things like that. So that's really what you'd be looking at Jordan Howden for getting done. So just a quick recap, round one, Josh Downs out of North Carolina, the star wide receiver. Round two, linebacker Jack Campbell out of Iowa. Round three, we went with UCLA running back Zach Charbonnet. Then we doubled up at defensive line in round four and at the top of round five with Clemson's KJ Henry and then Wake Forest's Kobe Turner, who's the interior defensive lineman. Then we circle back around in round five, going tight end Davis Allen from Clemson. And then in round seven, we went traits, right? We went with Matt Landers out of Arkansas, the wide receiver, and then the talented safety, uh, Jordan Howden out of Minnesota. And to me, this wraps up like the Saints offseason with a pretty little bow, as long as they continue to build on the defensive line and taking care of some of the depth needs that they now have. And again, they have the money to get it done, to be able to sort of build out their depth and get really quality players there. And this is really the first time since they had to kind of purge that area of the roster going into 2020 that they've been able to build their depth the way that they have the ability to do this offseason. And that could make all the difference for them in 2023. All right, y'all, I appreciate you so much. As always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Tomorrow, make sure you come on back. We'll continue to track everything that the Saints are doing when it comes to free agency. But We'll also take a look at who are some of the in-house free agents that could still be brought back to New Orleans. Obviously, that's such a huge uh, emphasis for them every single offseason. So we'll break that down as we continue on here on Locked on Saints. For your second listen today, make sure you go and check out Locked on NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. 
Kyle Krabs, as well as Joe Marino, giving you everything you need to know on how, what it takes to build a successful NFL franchise, starting with the offseason as we go through now. So make sure you're going to check that out wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, everybody, as always, for making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.